Hello, and this is Dr. Quackers. So today we're going to be reviewing Game of Thrones Season 2. Uh, my apologies on taking a while to follow up my Season 1 review. As by how many episodes I have, you can see that I am quite busy with many shows and films. This is my favorite season of Game of Thrones. Tyrion as the Hand of the King is the best part of the show for me. I love how they use his character to show the audience on how to play the Game of Thrones well and the kind of person you need to become. So part of the reason why Eddard and the the guy that, ruled, that was the Hand of the King before him, he they were too good to play and survive in Westeros and be able to compete in the Game of Thrones. You can't be all good and you can't be all evil. You need to find some sort of common ground in between the two to be able to survive and to be able to at least play the Game of Thrones. Tyrion plays it very well. They masterfully make it, he worms his way very much into the council and how the capital works. Because the way he manipulates the other council members to see who will betray him, who his friends are, is very great. I love how I love the part when uh, Maester Pycelle when he tells all the council members, like, different princes or lords that he wants to wed Princess Marcella to, to see who would go back and tell the queen about his plans. And I just thought, I think it's just some really smart writing. Uh, it's in the books as well, but it's still great. It, it's a great part of the show, and I really love it, and I love his dynamic between him and Varys, the spider. I really like them, and I love their relationship, and I think that's what accentuates a lot of Tyrion's motivations, and even with Bronn as well, who's the sellsword, who he ends up making the Kingsguard. It's really, it's just really cool, and I really love it. Um, yeah, it's he very much finds an easy uh, middle ground between good and evil. He'll play, and he'll survive. He'll take you out if he needs to, but he very much tries to serve the people of the country and the capital. He doesn't want there to be an uprising. He's really trying to balance out how awful Joffrey is as a king. He's a vicious idiot king, and that's even what he calls him in the show. He He's very much the, the polar opposite of Joffrey. He's very intelligent. He's very calculated. He knows how to interact with people. Due to the fact that he's kind of treated like shit, and he's very much looked down upon by everybody, especially the lords. They call him the imp, and that really pisses him off. But it makes them more mad that he's able to outsmart them and outplay them and outspeak them. It's great. It's it's just really, really great to watch. He is understandably Tyrion, is understandably the fan favorite of the show. Because his dialogue is fantastic, and they make you want to root for him. He is so much of a better person than pretty much everyone there. Varys is a secret good person. He wants what's good for the realm, the people. He doesn't care about the lords or the ladies. He doesn't care about the highborns. He's focused on the people, and that's why Tyrion and him ended up becoming friends, although they go about things slightly differently due to the fact that Varys won't outwardly make moves. But it also makes him more dangerous because he's able to manipulate and do things without anyone ever knowing it was him. Uh, but yeah, it's great. I, it's, it's definitely the best part of the show. The whole show. 
I'm not just referring to the season. It's my favorite part of the show. The, the arc of Tyrion being the hand of the king instead of his father because his father's off busy fighting the war. Uh, this season, you get to meet Stannis Baratheon. He is what Eddard could have been. They are two sides of the same coin. And what I mean by that is, is that they're both extremely honorable men. They're very honor-bound. Eddard, however, was honorable, but did, would do things in that sense for the love that he has for his people, his family, and of the North. Stannis is very much focused on getting the job done and doing his duty. He is ruthless to get what he needs done, but he's not evil. But he'll do whatever it takes to get it done. If he stole... Like, so one of the examples, that even in the show, he talks to the Onion Knight about how when, when his brother told him to keep Storm's End, and he did. He kept it all the way then, even though his people were like starving and dying, he kept it. He didn't let anyone overthrow Storm's End. And yeah, it's it, he he will do whatever it takes. They he ate the cats, he ate the dogs, he ate the rats, he ate the horses, he hate he hate he ate anything that he could to keep his men fed and alive to make sure they could guard it. And that's very much the same coin, but the opposite side of how Eddard Stark ran the North. Watching him fall to the charms of the Red Woman shows how good men crumble to their ambitions. He is fed exactly what he wants to hear, and she knows how to manipulate him in a way that she gets what she wants, while it, it kind of makes it look like he is chosen by this god, the Lord of Light. Uh, she is a religious zealot, to be fair, and he ends up being a cultist. And even towards the end of the season, he, he starts to realize what's going on. But then she's able to manipulate him once again. Uh, due to the fact that she's beautiful and was like, hey, look at my titties. Which, hey, fair play. It's, it's a solid move. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just really cool to watch. And it really makes Stannis... Uh, beyond the somewhat of a two-dimensional character that Eddard had. Eddard, I wouldn't say, is a very boring character, but he was very much what George R.R. R. Martin wanted to represent what the usual fantasy character was. And he wanted to show that the characters like Aragorn from Lord of the Rings wouldn't survive in this type of universe. And I think that's why characters in the later seasons are so much more... There's so much more to their character than their beliefs and how, like, I think we should be good. It's it's past that point. And I think that's why so many people found the show and even the books so refreshing is that it was a, somewhat of a mix-up of the genre. And it's and it's what really drew me in. I was like, holy shit, it doesn't matter who you are or what you are, there's always consequences. And that's what the show really outperforms everyone else with. It knows how to use consequences the right way. It's subverting expectations in a way that doesn't piss you off. Um, at least in this season. And I, it's just really enjoyable to watch. The main story of this season is the War of the Five Kings. Uh, those kings being King Joffrey, King Stannis, King Rob, King Greyjoy, and Mansurator, King Beyond the Wall. Uh, beyond the Wall, not behind. <laughs> 
so yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's it, there's a lot of action in this season. It very much ramps up from the first season. It really shows how much a nation can change due to the death of two high-ranking officials. After King, after after the King died, and then Eddard died, the the world really went to shit in Westeros, and that's kind of what Tyrion tells Joffrey and Cersei. He's like, "You really fucked this up. Do you realize that?" Um, yeah. So I will say, the only, there's, the only character I don't really like in this is King Greyjoy. It's Theon's father of the Iron Islands. It's the only family in Westeros I don't find interesting. They're just kind of like rapers and reavers. It's not really interesting. I understand why, what, why they're there in the story. It's not like they're annoying. Like, I understand why Theon, Theon needs to betray Rob. And there's consequences to that in the way Theon's character development overall goes. And without Theon, a lot of the Stark storylines can't continue from there. Uh, which is fine. But I, I don't know. I just don't give a fuck about the Greyjoys in any of the seasons. None of them are very interesting to me. Yara, I think, was the only one I ever found slightly interesting in the show, anyway. Um, but yeah, past that, they're pretty fucking boring. And it doesn't really, like, to be fair, there's not a whole lot of the Greyjoys, so it doesn't take away anything from the show. And this is all personal preference for me. I just think they're kind of boring. They're just bad. They're bad people. So you know what's going to happen to them. And that's basically how you can guess on what characters are going to win, on whether, on their actions. What kind of consequences will lead to this? If they're all good or all bad, you know they ain't making it. And the Greyjoy, King, King Greyjoy, is all bad. Uh... Yeah, it's it's really good. This season also begins my favorite character of the show, Jamie Lannister's redemption arc. So he's been captured and held by the Starks for the whole season, and you can see it start to chip away at his persona, the way his actions are, and the way he's able to bend his morals. And you can see that the way people talk to him in terms of like you're you have no honor you're the kingslayer you can tell that it does bother him like in the first season it very much had an air of like i don't give a fuck what you say about me i'm still a fucking lannister and in this one it shows that there is a side to jamie that very much takes it to heart when people say he has no honor now it's not until the later seasons that really gets into that huge shift but this is where it begins. He's living in he's living in squander. He's having to sit in his own shit, muck, and mud, and he's not really well fed. He's kind of beaten a good amount of the time. Uh, he, he just doesn't look like the pretty boy you saw in the first season. They visually show his change in this season specifically. Uh, this season also introduces one of my favorite characters, not the favorite, but one of them, uh, Brianna Tarth. I really love. This character, and I, this, so, I don't want to get political, but I want to say this because I think this is a good example. There are good examples of how to make badass women in Hollywood, and there are bad examples and good examples. This is a great example. I love the actress that plays her. Um, I think the character is great. The way that they, her characterization in the show is great. I love her arc, and I love the way that she interacts with the world and how people treat her. And I think her, she really deserves the kind of 
she deserves what happens for her in the season. She's taken seriously um, by Renly Baratheon and also by Catelyn Stark. And she's able to do what she's always wanted to do, be a knight. And I think that's really cool, and I like that character. And the reason why I bring that up is because in the rec- in the most recent decade, there seems to be this error of, like, there was never such a badass ca- female character up until we did it. I won't, sp- I won't give out specifics right now, because that's not necessarily what this review is about. But I don't, I don't, I don't buy it, okay? I don't buy that this was the first time not specifically Brienne, but the, like this decade has been like the first decade to show real tough women in cinema. Okay, she she is badass, and she is from this decade. But this is how you do it properly. All right, you don't. A character isn't a badass if you have to say she's badass. Okay, she. You can show how she's cool and tough. Well, having to beat the audience over the head like, see, she's cool and tough. And if you don't like her, you don't like women. That's not that's not how you write a character. That's not going to make them likable. If the audience has this beating, and they're getting beat over the head with, you need to like her, and if you don't, you're the problem. No, they don't do that. And that's why so many people enjoy her character without having to be like, I like her because she's woman. That's not... It's not an interesting character. If your whole character's personality is your gender, your sexual orientation, you're not a very well-developed character. You're very two-dimensional. You can use those. You can use those archetypes and make them badass without having to constantly bring up the fact that they're of that archetype. It doesn't matter. Which is why so many people love characters like Spider-Man. It doesn't matter what color Spider-Man is. Which is why there's characters like Spider-Gwen and Miles Morales Spider-Man. It doesn't matter. The character needs to be good or no one will care. Alright, that was my little rant. And I am now done. (laughs) Uh, The score is fantastic and gives a very well-balanced score with big ominous themes and battle-ready ballads. I I really love this season's uh, soundtrack. It's not my... It doesn't have my favorite score... Like there's, a, it's season six. Um, I think it's called the, the the Light of the Seven. That's my favorite of all his songs. That was my favorite. But this one's pretty fucking good. Season two is great, um, especially the music during the Battle of the Blackwater. And I actually like some of the Karth themes, which is where Khaleesi or Danny, whatever you want to call her, um, is. The action is great. The Battle of the Blackwater is the first big battle of the show, and they really knocked it out of the park. The visuals are badass. I love the action. I love the choreography. Uh, watching the watching the wildfire blow up with all the green flame was really cool, and a lot of the action is really badass. The Hound whoops ass in that battle. I really like the Hound. He's great. So yeah, I just love the action. The action is just all around great. Um, Jon Snow has a really interesting character arc in this. I love how in this season, Jon is now beyond the wall and he's learning about how the squabbles of Westeros doesn't fucking matter because there's a threat, which is, it, uh, George R. R. Martin said it's a, has said that it's an allegory for global warming, which I think this one's actually pretty cool. An interesting way to look at it. Uh, it it's an ominous and like 
supernatural force. There's nothing you can really do to just beat it back. You can't buy it. You can't debate with it. You can't just bat it away. It's coming. And there's nothing you can do about it. Which is why I think the White Walkers are such an ominous threat. Because there's such an error or mystery around them. Because no one really knows anything about them. They just kind of vanished one day. And no one really knew where they went. Or if they died. Everyone thought they died out. But clearly they haven't. They have returned. And I really love how John begins to understand the free folk of the wildlings beyond the wall. I love that arc. And this is also where um, his love interest shows up. She's really cool. I like her. And I what's an, another little uh, snippet in case you didn't know. The actress and Kit Harrington are actually married in real life. Yeah. Anyway, back to the back to the show. Um, besides Tyrion, uh, the other great part of this season is Tywin Lannister and Arya Stark. I love all of the scenes between these two characters, and I think what really makes me like it is how Arya is kind. Well, even Tywin says it. Tywin says that Arya reminds him of his daughter, and it's kind of a side to Tywin you don't really get to see in a lot of in a lot of any of his scenes throughout the, his whole part of the show. You never see a more softer side of Tywin. It shows that he does have love for his children, no matter how how ruthless and how much he cares about his image and the way that the Lannisters are viewed in his power. And he, he very much cares about his legacy. And this side, I think, is really cool. And their dialogue is really badass. I love, I love their dialogue, the way that they kind of quip back at each other. And Tywin, I loved uh, Charles Dance. He's great. I love that actor. And I really love him as Tywin Lannister. Tywin is one of my one of my other favorite characters of the show. He was my favorite for a while. Uh, from in this season and season three, yeah. The the ha- yeah, from season two to like halfway through season three, he was my favorite. I love his dialogue on the way I love the way he interacts with his generals. He doesn't really care about who he's fighting. He just needs, he, he's going to find a way to win. And I love the way he kind of goes about war and how he deals with the other families in Westeros and how he always just seems to make his house more powerful. And that it's just really cool to watch. Um, and I highly recommend this season to you. <laughs> um, the only part, it's not bad. It's not at all bad. I mean, it can be entertaining. And it's what eventually starts to build Danny's character. The weakest part of the season is Karth. It's the book has more interesting parts to it. Uh, the, I will say the House of Undying when you actually go in there in the show. That part's interesting because you see foreshadowing for later parts of the sh- of the story and in the show. And that part's cool. And of course, you know the dragons are finally here, and that's that's cool. They're small; they don't really do anything yet. Um, but yeah, it's still cool. It's just not as good as the other stuff. So when the stuff with Danny pops up, you're just kind of like, can we go? Can we go back to Tyrion or, or Tywin or even Rob? This is. Uh, I want to go back to the more entertaining characters, and not to say that Danny is entertaining. I like Danny. She is one of my top characters. Um, but yeah, I just think that's the weakest part. And so, as I wrap up this review, I will say I don't really have. So I don't really have any real problems with the season. It's all around like it's the best season of the show, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I have I have no real problems with it. I like the villains. I like the way they're portrayed. Um, I love. I definitely 
as I said previously, I love pretty much every arc of the season. So I'm going to give this rating uh, a 10 out of 10. It's a great season. And I highly recommend anybody to watch this season. It's, it's some of the best writing in television. So yeah, uh, I hope you made it all the way through. Um, hope you enjoyed my, some, I hope, somewhat educational. It may be a different way of looking at female characters in movies slash television. Uh, yeah, and I really appreciate those who listen. All right, well, have a good day.